Hello and welcome in to Season 2 on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb McCall. Tune in for Kingdom Conversations with Kingdom People and where we talk everything recovery and the church. Hello and welcome in to the show today. I have a special treat for you, our listeners, here on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. We have Pastor Greg DeFreeze with us today. How are you, brother? Thank you so much for coming on. Fantastic. It's always good to be with you and just to be in the presence of your voice and your knowledge and your wisdom. I'm honored to be with you. Uh, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. You know, uh, we're welcoming on the show, of course, Greg and Greg and his precious wife, Gretchen. They pastor an incredible church uh, down in Scottsboro, Alabama, and they have several campuses uh, already, three campuses there in the Alabama area, which I believe are in Fort Payne, Huntsville, and Scottsboro right now. Correct, Pastor? That is correct. And, and then we've got three more coming up, two in Tennessee and one in New Orleans. Wow, come on. Yeah. That's a, yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, uh, Pastor Greg and Gretchen uh, have 12 awesome, beautiful kids. Uh, come on, this this man right here and his wife, man, shepherding those 12 children. Come on, man. That's amazing. 12 of them. Be uh, fruitful, me and my wife are a little bit behind. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Every quiffer is different. Yeah, come on, man. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, Pastor Greg, I, I believe this with all my heart that you carry obviously the heart of a pastor and a shepherd, you're doing those things. Um, but you operate in the office of a prophet, truly believe that, um, as well as apostolic anointing with all of these campuses that you have going on and all that you are doing. And so to our listeners today, I just want to encourage you that, you know, let's pay attention to what the man of God has to say, what he's going to bless us with, what he's going to share with us today. Uh, the anointing that's on this man's life, the call that's on this man's life is going to be a blessing to us today. And I am really, really looking forward to what you have to share with us today, Pastor Greg. So for our listeners who who don't know you or maybe haven't heard of you in your ministries yet, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to the Lord, what life was like before Christ and all of that and what you're doing now, what God's got you doing. I sure will, Pastor Caleb. Thank you so much again for having me on and just to be able to have this experience and allow our voices to get out to hopefully uh, to hear, uh, hear an ear somewhere that could uh, yes. be a seed in their life and help them. But I guess it was 32 years ago. I grew up in South Florida, had a great family. I uh, had a church-going family, but uh, nobody really knew the Lord until my mom came to Jesus, and she came to Jesus, got filled with the Spirit. She's watching oh, the 700 Club, and I mean, everything <laughs> just changed right there, and uh, the yeah. pastor of the church we were going to thought she was going through a midlife crisis, and I'm happy she went through it, man, because her life was in a crisis, and it was just the middle of what God was getting ready to do, right? And so yeah. um, I just got caught up with the wrong folks, hanging out with the wrong people, you know, and uh, drinking and and uh, and then drugging and dropping out and quitting and just all the everything that goes with the lifestyle, right? And right. and uh, kind of was a black sheep to the family, if you would. But they didn't really treat me that way. But I made myself that way, made myself distant, disconnect from the family, and um, I just I hit rock bottom. I mean, I just went the full gamut. I tried to go in the Marine Corps, got kicked out of the Marine Corps. Funny thing, there I was walking out of the barracks the day before graduation. And I was clean for those three months, right? I, I wanted yeah. to be clean. I wanted to be clean. And, right. and so I was just looking for ways to do it. 
And uh, I'm a way out. This little guy looked up and said, hey, DeVries, maybe God's calling you full time in the ministry. While I'm getting kicked out of the Marine Corps, I didn't even know Jesus, man. I had no relationship. I may have some knowledge of him. And I thought, well, that was strange that he said that. But two years later, that's what happened, you know. Holy and cow. So anyway, long story short, I got to the bottom of the barrel and um, I just it came to my senses like the prodigal son. Mm. Mm-hmm. Called my dad, and uh, I remember the phone number two six two five nine three four, and he answered at the shoe store, and and uh, I said, Dad, it's me. He said, Meet me in the back alley, and I didn't know what that meant at that moment, you know. But uh, he didn't yeah. want me in the front of the store, yeah. and so I got there, and he had tears in his eyes, and he kissed me on my neck, and he didn't know the scripture, he didn't understand the scripture, but he was living it out, he was playing mm-hmm. it out being manifested in my life. And he said, look, he said, we don't, we can't help you. We don't know what to do to help you specifically, but we will help you find help. And that went on the journey. Started calling some different ministries in Florida. And some of those guys said, hey, he'd be better off further away from home, you know. And we got in touch with a place in Alabama because everybody else was booked. They Mm. they couldn't take anybody in. And it's called Outreach Ministries of Alabama, which you're familiar with. And um, they told me, say, hey, call me back tomorrow. And it's kind of a, a little, you know, seeing if I really meant yes, it, if I really yeah. wanted it. And I called the next day and he says, I want you to know this is no Taj Mahal. Right. You know, it's, an, it's not an easy life. It's out on a farm. We live and eat off of what we have on the farm. Everything's by faith. And and sure enough, I moved there in 1988, Memorial Day week in 1988. And I got there and it was on a Tuesday night lying in a bunk bed. And I said, Lord, I said, I. I, I just need help. That's literally yeah. what I said. I need help to get through this program. And I'm telling you, help was on its way. I mean, that's the yeah. name of the Holy Spirit, right? right. I didn't right. know it, had no knowledge. I think sometimes we're better off when we don't know than when yeah. we do know. I think it's sometimes the expository people of the Bible confuse it more than the ones that know nothing or are seeking for everything, right? And, right? and my life radically, drastically changed. In a moment's time, I knew I was called to wow. preach the gospel. I knew that I was uh, uh, meant to, to follow the Lord and to believe him. And so in the next 16 months while I was at Outreach Ministries, I got discipled, equipped, and trained there and uh, radically delivered and set free and eliminated all that aspect of life and came to know Jesus. And and that's that's our story now. That's our life. That's, that's where we are. Come on. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. When we, you know, we got on the phone a couple of weeks ago, just connecting and talking about things. And I said, you know, man, I was looking up some stuff. I'm actually writing my first book and uh, I was looking up some stuff on outreach ministries because that's a part of my story as well. My mom got shot in 1981, I believe it was in Miami, Florida. She was in Florida as well. Um, my mother, Cuban, Puerto Rican lady living in Miami, Florida, living a le- reckless lifestyle. Once I'm getting shot in my grandmother, praying woman, God rest her soul, sent her to outreach ministries in wow. 1981. I think she graduated in 82. So after she gets out of the hospital, my grandma comes in there, brings the Bible and says, are you ready yet? You know, to turn this thing over. My mom said, yes. She gives her life to Christ right there in the hospital room and heads up to Huntsville after she's released. So there used to be a women's side of outreach ministry. I think they called it the Jesus Loves You House or something like that. Exactly what it was. Yeah. And you had heard stories about that. By 1988, I think the women's home uh, was dissolved. But the men's home, of course, is still going going on. And I seen you on the board of directors when I was looking at outreach ministries. You know, you're on the board with them. 
And I said, wow, this is crazy. Just God bringing this thing full circle and connecting you and I and coming, you know, my family history and heritage with the same heritage and legacy as you with Outreach Ministries. Just absolutely amazing. And so, yeah, so you radically, you have the same story as I do too. It's just crazy, you know, getting to Team Challenge. I actually wound up going through Team Challenge and Fredericksburg, Virginia, just a lifestyle, just reckless, you know, drugs, alcohol, violence, jail, just, you know, all over the place. And I wound up getting into a teen challenge center and that's where God changed everything for me as well. That's just powerful sharing this powerful story, man. Yes, it's great. God is so good. God is so faithful. When you surrender, folks, just listen to this real quick. I know we're we're doing an interview. We're going to move on in just a second, but I feel something here. feel something here. If you're listening to this episode today you're listening to two bro- we're nobody special there, there's nothing special about me or pastor greg we we just did something that's so simple by surrendering to the holy spirit of god and saying god you know what we throw our hands in the air we we don't know we need help help just help me please i'll give you my life just help me and when you do that and when you surrender Jesus will step onto the scene. And when he steps onto the scene, you'll never be the same. Amen. Amen. So Pastor Greg, so you, you get saved, you're laying on this bunk, you get saved, God intervenes, you knew you were called, you you knew you were called to the ministry. So tell us what happens after this and kind of like, you know, you stepping into your ministry and we're talking a lot. I want to talk a lot about the prophetic today. So tell us how you kind of stepped into your ministry when was that first time the spirit of God rested on you and you prophesied and you spoke um, the words of the Lord, you know, kind of kind of fill us in on that. Sure. You know, and through the journey, looking back and I appreciate you asking the questions, a very uh, hot topic, sensitive topic. It's a very valuable topic in my life. And it should be in anybody's life. Right. Yeah. The prophetic. And so I think we have to go all the way back to the very origins of it. And I think we can go back to. Uh, that guy in the in the Marine Corps when he said, "Hey, DeVries, maybe God's calling you into full time ministry." Wow, and that meant nothing to me. There was there was no concept, there was no uh, thought there whatsoever. But there there was exhortation in that word. There right. was there was some life in that word, Pastor Caleb. There was something that started to stir, and it stayed with me for those two years. Not that I really even thought about it, but being that it came back to me two years later as an affirmation of what was going, that word was working in me. It might have been the seed that all ahead was roots. But then it started to sprout later. And when I got saved, the first time I heard God's voice, and that's the key to the prophetic. Key mm-hmm. to the prophetic is hearing God's voice. That's bottom line. And Jesus said, my sheep shall know my voice. Yes. And we yeah. so often know it for ourselves, but we sometimes we fail to know it for others. Or sometimes mm-hmm. we know it for others, we fail to know it for ourselves. It's a balance of both. We have to know his voice. And I think the prophetic, that's that's the origin of it, is hearing his voice. Because that's what we become is mantled with as a mouthpiece to say what he's saying, right? Just to say yes. what he's saying. Don't add to it. Don't take from it kind of deal, right? right. You just got to right. be clean and cut with it. So I get saved. And the very first thing I hear, I hear this voice that I did not know is unfamiliar to me. And it said, do not go to Bible college. And I thought, what on earth does that mean? And then immediately I realized my next phone call, you know, I got a phone call once a week. Right. My next phone call was to my dad. Mm-hmm. And when I told him I was when I told him I was going to be called in the ministry, I felt that I didn't hear that. I felt that calling. Yeah. It was a pulling on me. But I heard, "Don't go to Bible college." Now that's not for everybody. That's not the slam Bible college. Yeah, yeah. That's to enhance the voice of God, right? For the right. listener just to realize to discern. So I knew that that was my big test because I knew what my dad was going to say to me. 
Well, okay, you got saved on ministry. Would you want me to start looking for Bible colleges? And sure enough, Pascal, that's exactly what he said. So it was spirit over flesh. And I think that's the key in the prophetic. Mm. The spirit has to be stronger than the flesh. Because when I get a word in the prophetic or you get a word in the prophetic, you know, we have to wrestle through. Is this me? Is it not me? You know, do I put my personality on it? Do I put my breath in it? You know, is this for my agendas, for my, you know, reward, my return? You have to make sure that you're not in the position. It's not you. It's not your name. It's not your title it's not your reward it's it's what you're to speak so hearing god's voice and i think that within every prophecy there's a there's a word within the word mm. and there's an instruction in the midst of it. i think a prophecy is predominantly is a is a promise with instruction yes because that prophecy gives you a promise at the end and some people just look at the promise but they fail to realize the instruction in the middle of it mm. how we give it how we say it how we receive it do we obey it what do we go with it it's kind of like the man of god when he said you know, I want you to go and prophesy on the altar in First Kings 13, and I want you to prophesy there, and don't come back the same way you came, and don't eat their bread, and don't drink their water. He had a personal instruction in the midst mm-hmm. of it, and I think that's where a lot of people fail. The more faithful we are in the personal instruction of God's life, the more he's going to manifest the extension that we could be a voice in somebody else's life. And that's kind of a nutshell there. But uh, so I had that. Yeah, it's it's a disciplined lifestyle, you know, to walk Mm -hmm. in. But that was the first time I was in the early stages was hearing his voice and then obeying him. Mm -hmm. And even though it was my dad, my father, who was very well-meaning and uh, and when I said that to him, he said, okay, it's not as he didn't argue with me. Mm-hmm. He didn't wrestle with me. So, cause it wasn't a flesh and blood thing. It was a spirit mm-hmm. thing. And he said, okay. And sure enough, um, God worked it out. Now we have a Bible school. Come on. <laughs> he said, don't go to Bibles. Don't go to Bible college. Don't go to Bible school. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to train you. And you're going to exactly. start your own one day. Come on, Jesus. Exactly. That's how he does it. Ain't it? Yeah, you know, it you is. touched on some things, man, that I, I want to hammer home with our our audience and listeners today with that deal with the instructions and then the that being a seed i am just a firm believer that prophetic words are seeds and they are sweep you know what's terrible is we got a generation with a pocket full of seeds that have never planted the words and the prophetic in their heart and take action on the instructions that god always gives with the prophetic word And so then we have people that are frustrated with the prophetic and the prophetic office, the prophetic gift, because, well, you said this was going to happen. Well, did you do what the instructions were that came with the prophetic word, you know? Um, That's right. Because this is the thing with the prophetic, man. I feel the Holy Spirit all over this, too. Faith is what activates the prophetic. Faith activates the prophetic. And so when somebody comes and brings you a word and God drops something in your spirit and somebody brings it to you, or God just specifically drops it in your spirit and gives you an instruction and you would think, well, God, you told me this was going to happen. Well, did you do what God told you to do? Um, Because when you do what God told you to do, now faith is activated. And we know that faith is the currency of heaven. I mean, faith is what pulls what's already finished in heaven into your situation because when God said something, it's finished, right? So um, that's so good that we got to understand this in the prophetic that um, God gives instructions with those things. We have to do those things and the harvest will come. I love that you shared that. So that's such a a big misconception, uh, you know, with uh, the prophetic. And so what I hear you saying too is, with the prophetic, that was kind of a, a question that we had. It's like, you know, well, what what is that in a nutshell? And you just hammered it home beautifully. It's hearing the voice of God, obeying the voice of God, 
don't add to, don't take away and just say what he tells you to say. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, the Lord is speaking. We all have the Holy Spirit. Right. So the Lord is speaking to all of us uh, when it comes to that, you know. Uh, maybe we could go there for just a second. I didn't really have that on our question list, but sure. uh, you know, what, what? How do you feel about the prophetic with the spirit-filled believer? Do you believe like we all have access to this? Is this something that God gives to whom He sees fit? Can Can you maybe dive into that a little bit? Sure. Let, let's Let's break it down to the three categories: prophetic lifestyle, prophetic gift, and the office of a prophet. Beautiful. I think everybody can have a prophetic lifestyle, and they should. And if they don't, yeah. for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the, are the sons, sons of, God. of God. What would that imply about those who are not being led by the Spirit? Mm. They're being led by something. They're governed yeah. by something. And if it's carnal, it's not life. It's death. Right. If it, right. But if it's Spirit, it's life and peace, right? Mm. And so a prophetic lifestyle, I believe everybody should live in a prophetic lifestyle because it is basically being like Jesus. Mm. He only did what he saw. And what he heard, seeing is a prophetic revelation, the seer in the Old Testament, so prophetic good. revelation without a vision, you know, without prophetic revelation and and hearing the voice of God. And so then with all that being obedience, and I think the two bear witness to each other. Mm. I see something. I need to wait till I hear something to do something about it. Mm. I hear something. I need to wait till I see where it needs to be done. Mm. Jesus said there's a bearing of witness inside of him. There's always got a witness to witness in the midst of it. Mm. And so he gives us the balance of seeing and hearing. So I think that everybody should be living in the seeing and then hearing because that's mm. what Jesus did. That's all he did. So you have mm. to stop sometimes and think today how much was my seeing and hearing involved in what I was doing, right? So good. And because if we're doing anything outside of that, it's, it, it's, it amounts to nothing anyway. Mm. You know, Jesus said, I can do nothing in and of myself. Right. So if I can do nothing in and of myself, sometimes it's all right with doing nothing because it would be myself anyway. So it's not yeah. amount to anything. Yeah. So I think, yes, everybody should live in a prophetic lifestyle. I think everybody can be available to the prophetic gift. And that's a no whole nother trusted value where God's saying, I'm giving you a secret. Yeah. I'm giving you a truth. I'm giving you a reality of that person's life. And that's something that has to be cherished. That's something that has mm. to be protected, has to be guarded and not violated, not abused. But I think when it comes to the gift, we need to realize that's exactly what it is. It's a gift. Mm. And what good is a gift if it ceases to be a gift? And I say this somewhat uh, humorously, but people have asked me before. I'm sure they've asked you before. Hey, man, I hear you have a prophetic gift. And I have an answer for that. If they ever do say that, you know, you show up at a new church or somewhere and they've heard some prophetic gifting somewhere. And I say, well, I used to. And they look at me real strange and and they're like, what do you mean? Is there something wrong? It's like, well, last time I had it, I gave it away. So I don't Mm. hold that gift at all the time. Mm. That gift is channeled through me. I'm just a vessel. We're just vessels, that mouthpiece, that ear. You know, somebody who's, and this is where prophetic evangelism comes in, why the gift is so important in the prophetic evangelism. If we're not being prophetic in our evangelism, we're just propagating religion. We're Mm -hmm. just telling you where to go to church, telling you who to believe in and telling you what we believe in. And and there's a basis for that. But the prophetic, if they're going to be born again in the spirit, we need spirit words, right? We need to have the spirit speaking through us. And the prophetic is the amplification of the voice of the spirit of God, of what he's saying. But somebody with sin in their heart, the Bible teaches us, they can't hear God. Mm. And so God in his mercy anoints Caleb and Greg or whoever, Susie and Billy, and he says, but I'll use you 
to reach them. That's my mercy. Mm. Where we have a mindset of the Old Testament that the prophecy of the prophetic is judgment. Mm. In the New Testament, it is equipment, it is mercy, it is reaching, extending there. And then there's the office of the prophet, and that's a standalone, that's a gift also, but it comes from heaven. And I love to say about the fivefold, in the Bible, none of them are capitalized. They're not meant to be titles or pronouns or identifications. They're meant to be operations. These are offices, not that we sit in, but we walk in. We live out these things. And they can change from nine o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. You do the same thing. You've got apostolic anointed on your life when you're working with the other ministries, but then you may be sitting down pastoring and shepherding someone or teaching. You know, you may sit on here one day on the podcast and you teach the whole time and turn around the next time you're you're prophesying to people there. Mm. Jesus was all five of them. And I think we've lost the way to realize our ultimate, when you and I got saved, was to conform into the image of Jesus. Right. Not into the image of apostle this and prophet that and yes. evangelist that. Yeah. And Jesus was the chief apostle. Uh, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Of course, he's an evangelist, like the long middle finger. Absolutely. He reached out and yeah. saved everybody. He was yeah. a shepherd and he's a good teacher. And right. so we should flow in all five of those. And I think even for our listeners, as you and I sit here and have been given offices of the Lord, we recognize those offices of his life. We're here to equip those who are listening to us right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You can be prophetic. Yes. You can be uh, used of God. You can flow in this. And that gift, I think of the basis here, and this is, I hope I don't take too much time on this. No, you're good. The gift of prophecy, the end result is to exhort, edify, and comfort. That's what scripture tells you yes. in 1 Corinthians 14. Edify, exhort, and comfort. So the reality is you and I can do that all day long. Mm. And if I would go over and say, man, that was a great job. I love what you did. I love your podcast. I love your ministry. Way to go with the, the recovery ministry. You're doing a great job. I'm exhorting you. I'm edifying. Yeah. If I yeah. come over and say, man, I love you, brother. Mama said there'd be days like this. I didn't have a good Sunday either, but I love on you. Yeah. And you and I encourage each other in the Lord. We're being prophetic. Yeah. Nobody sees that as the prophetic, but God's seen if you will be faithful in little things, yes, I will then let you be a steward of bigger things. Absolutely. So if I'm faithful in the daily exhortation, encouragement, edification of my family, my wife, my whoever, uh, God is going to say, hey, now I can give you this. And, yeah. and it takes it to another level. Yeah. So being faithful, just being faithful. Come to on. Things. That's so good. I love what you said there, too, with the FIFO ministries. There are things to be operated in and like. Jesus being all five of those. And, you know, there's a, a lot of arguments and theological discussions on predestination, right? But predestination, the Bible said you were predestined to be That's conformed right. to the image of his son. You were predestined to look like Jesus, to walk That's like right. Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to operate in these gifts, to, to be prophetic, to evangelize, to shepherd people, to teach people, and to be apostolic. I love that, that you tied that in with all of us, because you're right. We all should be those things. We all should be prophetic. Love the aspect of we all, my goodness, don't we all need to be living a prophetic lifestyle? Oh, I mean, goodness. my goodness, you know, at the grocery store, it's not about being weird, but if God drops something in your spirit that can shift somebody's destiny and purpose and get them to the place where God needs them to be, my goodness, we're missing it. There's so many people yeah. in the yeah. body of Christ that are missing it. This lifestyle of Christianity is not about going to church, paying some tithes, and uh, you know, being a part of a community, you know, and having some friends. This is so much more um, than that. It's Christianity, following Jesus, being a disciple of Christ. 
uh, there's just so much more to it. We could stay there, man, all day. We could stay there and hammer that home. and might have to have you come back on and we'll just do that. But, you know, you preached on the 70 elders at Ruach, man, and just blew me back some. So uh, talk to our listeners just a little bit about that, you know, and how, you know, Moses says, you know, I, I wish that everybody, I ain't stopping them. I wish that everybody was flowing in this stuff. Yeah. Teach us a little bit, Pastor. Yeah, I'd be glad to. That's an honor. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, in Numbers chapter 11, uh, Moses is is burdened. He's troubled. And he's saying, man, this is just too much for me. I don't know if I can go any further, right? And so he's crying out for some help. And the Lord says, hey, this is what what do. Go get 70 elders. Mm. And, of course, elders in that time were literally statesmen, people of of, of an elder age. And, and we know they are even still today. But uh, but in the New Testament, we recognize it's people that are seasoned, people that uh, are able to teach, people that have good character. And mm. so God's looking for people like that, right? He's looking for people. And, and, and that's what our recovery is about, is becoming restored back to who God created us to be. So yeah. he goes out and he gets these 70 elders or officers over the people and he says what i'll do he said you get them together and have them come out to the tabernacle okay have them come out to the tabernacle and to the tent of meeting he said and i will come down like i have with you i come out of the cloud and my spirit will come down and i will put my spirit on them and i think this is one of our big setbacks in church ministry is so often we put our spirit the spirit of greg DeFreeze, on somebody or the fashion of pastor caleb on somebody we people try to look like us or try we try to get people to look like or act like us yeah. he said i'll put my spirit on them he mm. said and uh, i'll come down and i'll talk with them and yeah. so he went got the 70 elders and out of the 70 68 of them showed up the tabernacle okay which is really outside of the of the community it's it's right. and we're the tabernacle right it's really your outside life where they showed up over there your relationship with god and two of them i just say this somewhat humorously but two of them that stayed back were el dad and me dad Mm. which translated would be your dad and my dad, right? I mean, <laughs> so it's kind of the uh, the two, they stay back. We need to have fathering prophetic voices in the church. We need to have them. Yeah. But majority of our prophets are in the church and a minority of them are out in the streets. Mm. And so outside in those 68, and the spirit came down and they started to prophesy. Joshua, who is Moses' choice assistant, ran up and tugged him on the on the robe or whatever he's wearing that day. He said, hey, he said, Moses, we got a problem, man. You need to forbid these guys. They're doing what you do. Yeah. And Moses said, don't be zealous for my sake. Right. And, and I think that's something to consider. I, I, You know, I don't think people should be zealous for you and I. Yeah. I don't think people should be promoting others to be. We need to be uh we need to be generous with the generation. We want them to do what we're doing. That's kind of the right. idea. Jesus right. wanted us to do what he was doing. Mm -hmm. So our heart should be that they do what they do. When I read about uh, Saul and, and David, uh, there I discovered this a few years ago through discipleship. You know, Saul kind of missed it. He played his thousand, David is 10,000. He should have celebrated that because mm -hmm. that would be victory in his life. But I want my Davids to... Slay their ten. My excuse me. Me to slay my ten thousand, and for my disciples to slay their hundred thousand. That's kind right. of the idea. So anyway, they start to prophesy, and Moses turns around. And you quoted this earlier. And he says, "Don't be zealous for my sake." Mm. He said, "I would that all the Lord's people were prophets, yeah. that they would prof be prophetic. They would have a relationship with God like I do. They would hear from mm. God and speak on His behalf." Yeah. And to think about Moses, he was the most meek man on the face of the earth, and Jesus said, "The meek will inherit the earth." Right. And we're earthen vessels. And I think that the prophetic generation we're walking in is linked to the inheritance of Moses, to mm. those very words. 
Mm. For from generations, from the origin there, God's been looking for a prophetic generation, not just a prophet person, Come but a prophetic on. generation. Right. And I think one of our challenges, Pastor Caleb, is, mm. is that we spend way too much time, and 2020 gave us a pretty good picture of this, yeah. uh, But and I'm not pointing any fingers whatsoever, but we spend way too much time trying to predict in the prophetic instead of equipping the prophetic. And I think if we equip in the prophetic, people will learn to hear God and speak on his behalf. We'll spread the gospel a lot quicker. We'll spread the good news. We'll spread the insight, the revelation, the, the warnings a lot quicker. We don't really have to predict what's going to happen. Matthew 24 already told us what's going to happen, right? Right. I mean, we've got all the way into revelation of what's going to happen. Revelation told us what happened. Yeah, but yeah. me guessing who's going to be the next this or the next that, mm-hmm. is that for my elevation? The prophetic is not to prove me. It's mm-hmm. to improve you. Yes, and I think we need to turn things around so often. We think the prophetic is like, oh, look how spiritual I am and look at the, mm-hmm. how anointed I am and how much you need me. No, yeah. no, no. You need me because my prophetic is going to improve you. Right. As right. To who God is in you and who God can be in you. So, yeah. yeah. Powerful, man. Powerful, powerful. Yes. The, uh, you know, the prophetic and the lifestyle of the prophetic. Moses statement this generation I love that man you you God has been looking for a generation of people who will step into what Moses was even speaking in that moment I wish that that they would all be prophetic I wish they would all prophesy man powerful 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 um well as we move on to the next discussion question um I think we could all, we me and you both could feed off each other and keep going on with the <laughs> prophetic but you know on this on this show we always talk about uh the recovery community and uh what what god is doing and and how those things can be handled and what we as the church uh the capital c church you know what we as the church can be doing to help this community of people you know uh some people tend to think that it's this you know could be this big long complicated thing but it's not i mean what what with our role as the church which me and you both come from the same background, come out of the same type ministries. But with us as a whole in the church, what can we do? What are we supposed to be doing um, to reach um, the recovery community? You know, people who are dealing with addiction and life controlling issues. What is our role in the church with these folks? Well, that's good. I appreciate that question because uh, we're we're filled with that in our church here. We love bringing people in. I just met a person at breakfast this morning that I knew twenty some years ago has gone through every addiction you can think of, and 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 I said, "Come home," and Come I think home. that's the key. Yeah. I don't call our church home per se, but we have got to be a family. We have got to be a family of restoration. We've got to be a family that that heals. Uh, that father wound. Most people with addictions have a father wound somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, I believe this is everybody to a degree is fatherless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care how good your dad was. He was still less of a father than God is. Right. And there's right. a there's a hole. There's a void there somewhere. And so we need to bring the sons and daughters home. We need to bring the children in, you know, in that whole great outpouring of the spirit, you know, that the sons and daughters have prophesied old men and young men. We need mm-hmm. to bring them into a family environment and help the process of recovery to the point of restoration, to mm-hmm. re- get them back to who God created them to be. So we need to accept them. They need to, we're, we're the sensation of acceptance mm-hmm. because every addict has felt a sense of rejection, uh, of outcasts, you know, just, uh, just 
not accepted to some degree. And so as a church, we need to have open arms. We need to be the father sitting on the porch, meet them in the parking lot before they mm. get into the church, wrap your arms around them, the ugliest, the dirtiest, the hardest, the one who's hiding it behind all the prettiness or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Everybody's been addicted to something. Everybody's right. been bound to something. And Isaiah 61 says that we're supposed to speak liberty to the captives and That's to help right. them bring them out of that freedom. So we have the keys. What mm. keys do we have? We have the keys to unlock people from the prison door. Mm. We have the keys to teach them what they can do to praise in their darkest hour so mm. other doors can break when nobody else is there. I mean, right. we are the ones who get to equip and teach and prepare them. I believe the church is the aspect of restoration. Now you'll understand this when I say this, if we would go to Rahab, like uh, the spies went to Rahab, mm-hmm. a lot of people wouldn't have to go to rehab. You know? <laughs> and we've got to go. We've The other thing the church yes. has to do is not just sit there with open doors. That might've been where they got hurt. That might've right. been where they got abandoned. That might've been where yeah. they got abused. That might've been the person they meant to go do drugs with. That might right. be why they're doing drugs because they're embarrassed to go back to God. We don't yeah. know. But we have got to go to them. We have got to get out. We've got to knock on those doors. We've got to infiltrate into those communities. We have got to be a light for somebody. If you're sitting in darkness, you don't know how to turn on the light or where the light switch is. Wouldn't you be happy if a light walked in? Mm. So show you the way out the door. So we have got to be revelatory to them. We have got to be expressive to them. We can't. This is my view, and I, I may be getting way off here. I believe in conversion. And the point of conversion is if God delivered me from alcoholism and a drug addiction and immorality and harlotry and everything goes with that, if he delivered me and I just got out of it, that's not a complete deliverance. Mm. My deliverance is I get out of it and I get equipped where I can go back to it to get mm. other people out of it. Come and on. so uh, Paul, you know, he gets taken out of Judaism, right? Out of religion. Mm-hmm. Well, where's his goal? The end of his ministry is go back to it and speak to it. Yeah. You know, and so we can't just get away from it and hide. We've got to go back to it. We've got to go back there and be the testimony. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And I walk in that door and I start sharing what what Jesus did in my life. And where that whether that door is taking someone out to lunch or whether it's in a a crack house, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But my my testimony is Jesus prophesying to them. What he did for me, he can do for you. So we have to predominantly be engaged. We have to have the spirit of adoption. We've got to take them as they are and let them become to who they're going to be. I think that's the key in in evangelism is meeting people where they are Mm. and then taking them to where you're going, you know, and not expecting them to catch up with you. Mm. And then they can run with you, you know, I think we have to be tangible. I think we have to be present. I think we have to be engaged. I think we need to bring the truth of the gospel to them. Uh, It's our responsibility. It is our responsibility to reach the wounded and the hurt. So, bottom line, good Samaritan. Yeah, I mean, you, you could pre- you could probably preach that one for three or four <laughs> days. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. it's got to be us. We can't go on the other side of the street. We've got to get yeah. out in the streets. You know, I wrote a little book. Uh, and it was an easy one. It's thirty short stories on prophetic encounters in the community, in on the street, airplane streets, whatever. And mm. it's literally called taking it to the streets. You remember the old song, but yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> taking it to the streets, but you know, yeah. we've got to take it to the streets and we've got to connect with those people, whatever street that they're living on, we got to get it to them. That's amazing, man. I, I'm going to be completely honest. And I'm not saying this because you're um, on the show here with me today. That might be the most solid answer I've ever had on that question when it comes to what is our role in the church? You touched on a couple of things, and I'm going to uh, 
loop it back around so our listeners make sure they get this. You said family, go out to them and then equip them so that they can go back in after conversion. Um, and like obviously what OMA does, what BTB does and what Miriam House or Ladies Home does, it creates a family environment and atmosphere. I remember that being at Teen Challenge whenever I got there. You know, with seeing real and true Christians, like people that really love the Lord and was really living this thing out. I was like, man, this is this is real. It was the greatest encouragement for me. It, there was that family setting. And then they took us into churches that believed in us and accepted us. And yeah. we was on a rotation of churches. And that's what I do with our ministries, too. We go to all kind of churches and different churches within an hour radius um, of our ministry. That family setting and atmosphere, us fathering these men and women that are coming out of this background with these father wounds, mother wounds, all of these things that happen uh, to the individuals is is great. You hit it on the head too. You got to go to them, right? Going yeah. out and getting out, out of the four walls of the church, doing outreach, being able to answer the phone. It's funny you said something about taking somebody to lunch. That's literally how the Lord got a hold of me. Wow. I'm, I'm walking. I walked in the first day I ever walked in our church where I got saved that sent me to Teen Challenge. I'm sitting there smelling like a pack of Marlboros and a bottle of Jack Daniels. And I'm on crutches and with sh shades in the back of the service. Uh, the first time I was in the church, you know, got invited. I, my life was a mess. And I realized like, you know, uh, man, I got to do something. The only place God is, is a church building. He's the only person that can help me. Right. And so yeah. I, uh, uh, you know, went in there, I'm on crutches from a bar fight a couple nights before kicking somebody in the head. I mean, it was just, life was crazy, but the pastor told me, he said, man, he shook everybody's hand on the way out. He said, dude, I want to take you to lunch this week. Wow. I'm thinking, why would he want to take me to lunch? But he takes me to lunch and just begins to pour into me and invest into me. Tell me I'm meant for more than what I'm living and being prophetic just by a meal and speaking life. That was it. It was nothing, nothing deep. We didn't go over Bible verses. Like he just loved on me and spoke into my life and spoke life. And, uh, and that happened, you know, and after the conversion, you know, equipping folks, you know, you're exactly right. This is the deal with recovery that so many people miss in secular rehabilitation. They get you clean, but the discipleship process of a OMA, BTB, yeah. that sets you free. There's yeah, a difference right. between being clean and being set free, right. you know, so uh, very powerful, man. Thank you for that answer. Thank As you. we're wrapping up today, man, I know you're busy and, and uh, got a lot going on, but last question here, just tell our listeners how, they can connect with you, but also, you know, there's a great move of God going on at your church and your campuses, you know, that whole apostolic thing. You've got the school, you know, we, you mentioned that in the beginning, God told you don't go to Bible college, but go ahead and start one later in your life. Right. <laughs> and so yeah, you've got yeah. the discipleship school there, J three, eight, tell our listeners a little bit about that and what's going on at your church. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Man, I appreciate it. It's such an honor, I, you know, that we do get to pastor a church here in Scottsboro, Alabama called the, the Well Family Worship Center. Uh, there, of course, they can catch it on the different social medias and uh, website and such like that. And uh, But I always tell them, I don't know that I pastor a church as much as our family leads one. And mm -hmm. it's just a, 
honor to lead the well, the well family worship center. And uh, about two years ago, a little over two years ago, our oldest son, Spencer, is a great uh, worship leader and songwriter. And, uh, but he's also a great teacher of the word of God, has his own voice. Every one of our children have gone off for a little while, a year or so came back so they could go find their voice, you know, and uh, he and his lovely wife, Madison planted a church over in Fort Payne. We sent quite a few families over there with them or living in that area. I believe it's important to worship where you live and live where yeah. you worship. And then, uh, we adopted a church from Gretchen's um, uh, dad. I served him years ago. And our second son, Stuart, is pastoring over in the Huntsville area, over there in the Northeast Huntsville area Amazing. of the world, over in Northeast Huntsville. And so they're just doing fantastic. But our school is kind of our, kind of our, I don't know, our live, eat, and breathe. I was out in Outreach Ministries years ago. I re- returned for a Friday night chapel. And uh, Brother Ken was preaching. And I was in the back row. Nobody sitting next to me. I walked in a little late. And I felt an elbow hit me in the rib cage. And I thought, what on earth? You know, nobody's even near me. Mm. And I realized there's a Holy Spirit, you know, is that mm. invisible friend. And uh, he nudged me and he said uh, uh, they were preaching about church members, parishioners, believers, followers, and a lot of descriptions. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, whatever happened to disciples, that's what we had. And something happened to me, Pastor Caleb. It's as if uh, Adam, when he had the rib taken out of him, something hit me in the rib cage there and said, you're to be married to discipleship. And so uh, we're passionate about it. We've been doing it for uh, 20-some years, but here at the well uh, for 16 years. Uh, Matter of fact, last night I had a long meeting with our first disciple, and he and his wife are planning to go to Scotland and plant a church and a school over there. Uh, But anyway, so that school is a nine-month live-learn atmosphere. and. Uh, they live on location at the campus here, and they do classes and education classes. They serve at the church, do outreaches in the community. Uh, that's usually people anywhere from 18 to 20, 25, something like that. Yeah, and yeah. it'll be a year or two year, and then there's a third year internship, and there's a school of ministry. People are called the fivefold ministry. We have that also. We disciple people and equip them, and that's what's wow. going on. We mentioned earlier that we have three more churches within by the next five months that we'll plant mm-hmm. uh, here coming up soon. We're really excited about that. Where one couple gets sent off this Sunday to uh, Algiers, Louisiana, which is part of New Orleans, okay. uh, probably on the other side of the river there. And so they're going to be planting a church and another couple. And all these people are people who have gone through our discipleship school, getting equipped for ministry and, and such. And so, um, yeah, that's just who we are. It's what we do. And it's, mm. it's an honor to do it. It's, it's like breathing. Uh, there yeah. and breathing's not always easy, right? <laughs> I, mean, I huff and puff yeah. a little bit more now than I ever did before. But, uh, it's life. We're just yeah. doing life together. Is the yeah. concept? Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm I'm happy to that God has connected us because I think we're going to do a lot of life together too. I really respect yeah. and appreciate what you do, who you are, and your perspective. And I love "Be the Bush," man. I, that, yeah. that that is just that's one of my <laughs> go-to passages. And I'm like, yeah. how did he get that? And I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, man, that all stemmed from when the Lord spoke to me about the recovery ministry with uh, what you mentioned it too with get converted, go back in after others. And that was Moses story, right? He has this right. encounter with God at the burning bush and he um, he has the encounter with God at the burning bush and God says, OK, I got you out of Egypt. Now go back, you know, <laughs> and and deliver people. And, you know, that whole concept, the name be the bush, you know, Lord spoke to me, too, and said, I'm fixing to use these people, you know, just like he's used me and you said, I'm going to use them as a vessel to speak through, just like I did that burning bush. That burning bush was simply there and it was available and it was a vessel that I chose to speak through. And so, you know what I love about that? Yeah, I love about the burning bush too. And there's probably a listener out there. I feel that unction right now. It was the second look when you heard the voice. 
Yes. He saw it. But when he looked again, it said, mm-hmm. spoke to him. And I just encourage everybody out there, as we've talked about this prophetic, take another look. Maybe there's somebody out there that went for God, went after it, saw it. You know, God got him out of drugs and alcohol, but nothing has really gone further beyond that. Take a second look, you know, back mm-hmm. into your deliverance, to your freedom, to your experience and your encounter with God. What he said to you, the scriptures you underlined mm-hmm. five years ago, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. see if he doesn't speak to you. Come on. Pastor Greg, I feel this right here. Why don't you, as we close out, why don't you pray for us and our listeners that we would know the voice of God, take that second look, operate in the prophetic, live prophetic lives, be prophetic people, operate in the giftings of the prophetic, and just turn you loose to pray for us and our listeners today, and then I'll wrap us up. Man, I'd be honored to. Let's do it. Awesome. Father, we come to you in that glorious name of thank Jesus. You, Jesus, we thank you that you represent the voice of God to us. Holy yes. Spirit, you, you allow the sound to move inside of us. And we're asking right now in divine agreement for the Jesus. listener, for the one who yes. is engaged right now, Lord, speak. Speak yes, to them, Lord Father. God. May they hear your voice. Make your voice known to them. Yes, Faith Father. comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They need a word yes, from Jesus. you, Lord. They need a word, Lord. And Father... Whether you're pursing our lips to get that across prophetically right now for the one who is discouraged and disappointed, the one who has a bad neck injury and keeps them going back to that that painkiller and keep going back to excuses and reasons. Uh, Lord, Mm. healing the neck isn't the answer. Hearing your voice is and it causes their faith to come alive and that faith will connect them to their healing and to their freedom. So, Lord, I pray for that specific one right now to hear your voice, Lord. Father, I pray for the one uh, that is having bowel problems, Lord God, and just uh, messed up nerve disorders, Lord. Father, I ask that they would hear you say, this is my son, this is my daughter, and whom I'm well pleased. And Lord, they don't have to do anything other than hear you right now, Lord. Father, I thank you that even in the upper room, Lord God, that people heard you, somebody who has been pursuing the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and trying to find it, and they're trying to experience, and they're trying to come up with a method. They just need to hear the sound. They need yes. to hear the sound right now. And I pray that as we speak right now and pray and intercede over them, that a wind would come into their life and carry in the words of eternity, the words of a language, yes, the words Lord. of nations. And Lord, that you would release them. There's even somebody who has given up on the call to preach. Mm. I pray mm. that the same thing that happened to Peter, that just moments yes, days earlier, he's running away. He's denying Jesus. 40 days later, he's preaching the very first New Testament church gospel message. And Lord, I ask that you would awaken the preachers today, encourage them, build them up, but may they hear your voice. Father, I thank you that your word says, give ear to hear what the spirit is going to say. And Lord, I pray that people will give their ear to you to hear and desire to hear that voice. Make yourself known to them, Lord. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Jesus name. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, folks, we have been blessed today. Pastor Greg, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. By the way, Pastor Greg is coming to Legacy Church on February, I believe it's 22nd. Uh, February 22nd, going to be ministering and bringing the word, hopefully bring a crew with them from the church. If not, that's all right, too. We're going to pack out the house for you, brother, and turn you loose. And I believe that God is going to do some incredible things. So if you're in the area, February 22nd, get to Legacy Church over in Shelbyville, Tennessee. And uh, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We love you here on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. 
We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to support the ministry of the Recovery to Recovered podcast, you could go to canvascheppieville.com or bethebushministries.com. If you're enjoying the content that you are receiving here on the show, you can also follow me on social media on TikTok at Pastor Caleb Mack, as well as Instagram, Pastor Caleb Mack, and on Facebook under Caleb McCall. Be blessed. Until next time on the Recovery to Recovered podcast.